Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. This is episode 19 of Dying for Life, and this time I'm chatting to Leanne Moran. Leanne is a qualified nutritional therapist and hormone health coach. We talk intuitive eating, ensuring a balanced divine masculine and feminine, and the importance of understanding your cycle for overall better health. Welcome to Dying for Life. Start living. Leanne. Hi, hi. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for coming in and for talking to me. Thanks for for me. anyone who doesn't know who you are, would you mind giving us a little introduction into who Leanne Morin is? Yes. So I suppose my name is Leanne Morin. Um, I'm a nutritional therapist. I work in women's health and yeah, I was qualified. I was actually only qualified last year, but I Wait. feel, yeah, I feel like I've been qualified years. And I suppose maybe because the first year of nutritional therapy is nutritional lifestyle coaching. So is that a level six? I actually can't remember, but you're qualified to go ahead and, you know, start working with clients um, in coaching then. So I have been working since then and started up my little Instagram. So I feel like I'm qualified a lot longer, but I'm an official nutritional therapist since last year. No, I had no idea. So you mm. have been practicing for like a year or two before you yeah. were fully qualified. Yeah, exactly. I've been taking on clients um, over Zoom throughout COVID and working more with coaching, you know, not too mm-hmm. intensely um, working with weight loss for a while and then I suppose we'll probably get into that then. Yeah, so talk to me about, uh, let's go back to where it started, first of all. So your interest in nutritional therapy and how you decided to pursue that as as a career or to study for it first. And then, you know, I suppose where it led you. Yeah, so I suppose my like story wouldn't be that unique. It's, you know, the usual. I got into the fitness industry through weight loss and I was always the kind of chubby kid growing up. I was always the bigger one out of my friends. And I got the message from when I was younger um, that that wasn't okay. And whatever, if that was from diet culture or whatever that was through. um, And I start dieting very young. And I I think it was it was our generation in particular, wasn't it? Like, yeah. It with no like blame put on our parents, but especially them in like the 80s. There was a massive like, you know, diet culture and, you know, it was about being skinny, you know, as opposed to, you know, being fit or healthy or strong. Um, It was definitely because I definitely felt like that growing up. And I, someone actually, we were having a chat recently and someone said, you know, when did you start to feel Mm -hmm. like you were bigger or when did you start to notice your weight? And I was like, probably about nine. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that like that just... young? Like that's scary. That's only two years younger than Noah is mm-hmm. right now. Like, yeah, and it and it's still you know so in the culture right now. But as you said, like I grew up idolizing Kate Moss. Like I oh loved my God, her. Yeah, loved her. Yeah, like and 
her quote of nothing tastes as good as skinny fields. Like I literally used to repeat that to myself. Like, And I'd say many of us had a pin to our fridges and yeah. on our screensavers. And yeah. that's a scary thing. It's mad. I literally have a big coffee book and like a coffee book. So it tells you I wasn't that young when I was buying that. Like it was, you know, only a few years ago. Um, of Kate Moss and like all her ribs and hips and I just I loved I the idea of it just I would have loved to be that thin so that's when I kind of start the dieting and I was up down up down and I suppose when I I moved over to Toronto then um, and before I moved to Toronto I lost a good bit of weight and the final push you know and was this for because you were moving there and it was like new life, new sort of yeah. look. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I was obsessed with it all the time. But as a, before I went to Toronto, I wanted that final push. <clears throat> Sorry. That final push. And I got uh, diet pills off some random. Oh God, I took them as well. <clears throat> it was like, do you remember there was like a herbal Asian shop in Blanchard Center? Yeah. <laughs> I went in and got some sort of green tea pills or something. Oh God. Or they were, do you remember those poo or tea pills? Yes. They were those. Yeah. It took I remember buying too. them with my dad and he was like, why are you taking these? I was like, it's my money. God. And at least you got them from a shop. I bought them off some literally random person on Facebook. Like God knows what they were. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so that was before Toronto and I had lost a good bit of weight and I was moving a lot. I was working in the airport at the time, running around the airport all day um, and I was probably only eating thousand calories or something like so frightening oh frightening and then as soon as I got to Toronto you know it's like new city new food you know drinking out socializing when I mean I piled on weight it was like instantly it was real like I kept saying I felt like Mr. Blobby like it was real I don't know like blubbery weight you know that so I was so uncomfortable so I and I was out of the gym and stuff like that so when I got back into the gym then in Toronto, I started listening to Ben Coomber. I don't know if you know him. Yeah. Um, that was like back in 2015, his podcast. And I got really into the gym. And I thought that I, this was, you know, the best thing ever. I was so healthy. My family, my friends, everyone was like, oh, it's amazing. You praised for oh, it. Yeah, mm. like six days a week. And I was really back, you know, controlling my food again. But again, it was praised. I thought that this was the healthy way to do it. And when I moved back from Toronto, then I was like, right, you know, again, a big change kind of time. I was like, what do I want to do? I want to help people do what I, I've done. I found the key to weight loss, you know, that kind of way. My habits, my steps, <coughs> my cardio, my weights, food, all that. So I didn't want to do something short like a PT I wanted to do something a bit more in depth and the only thing that I could find was dietetics but that was full time so as I found I stumbled across nutritional therapy and thank god I did because I really don't think dietetics would sit with me at all and um, nutritional therapy is holistic I didn't even know what holistic meant at the time like yeah. you know that way like I didn't have a clue um, it was definitely meant to be though it was so meant to be mm. because I didn't really I barely knew what it was talking about but I had always kind of wanted to do a degree and I that was three and a half four years so I was like right that's what I'm gonna do and yeah I suppose that's how I'm here today now my actual practice has changed so much and the way I view nutrition and eating and dieting and weight loss like I no long, longer work with people for weight loss and um, I don't promote dieting at all and I suppose that's really only changed over the past 
two years or so. Mm. Um, as I was coming towards the end of nutritional therapy, I started to, I was gaining weight again. Um, and when I mean I was doing everything in the book, like to the letter, like it was, I had this Excel document tracking everything, tracking every single habit you can ever imagine, had whiteboards and woke up in the morning, did everything like, you know, perfectly as I thought weight was just going up, down, up, down, up, down. And yeah. that's when I was kind of like, right, something isn't right here. And then I kind of, I came across um, intuitive eating then. And everything that I read, I was like, that's exactly me. Like, that is me. I just, I didn't realise it. And I was like, and I, I thought then, I was like, right, before I start intuitive eating, I'll just do one last diet and I'll just lose the weight and then I'll start intuitive eating. I remember you telling me this. Oh, yeah, Like seriously and I think I wasted but, another few months before I was like right what am I doing? <laughs> yeah just trying to get it off. Yeah. So were you practicing in the final years so you were helping people with weight loss specifically? Yeah yeah. The way that you knew how which was obviously tracking yeah. you know your food your macros your yeah. And, yeah. and that's, I actually didn't work with like a whole load of people and I nearly became burnt out because ju it just wasn't, nothing was sitting well with me. Like I was mm -hmm. working with clients and I, I was sitting with them in consultations and they were dying to lose weight and I was dying to lose yeah. weight and I was giving them all the things like, and you know, I, I've read Lane Norton's books, like I've read, like I'm you know, it's not like a quick fix thing. Like I'm all about healthy habits, but it wasn't working. And, you know, it was the movement and the the nutrition and whatever. And these women were with me and just like myself, like their diet was picture perfect. It was yeah. absolutely picture perfect. They were doing the 10,000 steps. They were getting their three to four weight sessions a week and they were coming back to me and they were like, I'm not losing weight. And I, the only thing that I could do is start to say to them, right, we're going to have to start cutting your calories. And I was like, I cannot do that. Like, I just can't yeah. in my soul do that. Like, knowing these women, like career women, really successful women, women, maybe they don't have a career, but they're moms, successful moms. And They like, need the fuel. They need the <laughs> yeah. fuel. Like, they need the energy and, like, they need that spark. And then I was really, you know, a separate thing is the hormones, which I'm really into. And, and they were probably already in a calorie deficit at exactly. this stage. Yeah, and... It was just and the stress and everything. So I, it just wasn't sitting well with me. Um, so you got, you discovered intuitive eating then. For anyone yeah. who doesn't know what that is, what is it exactly? Because when I first discovered it, I was like, what is this? What is this? Is this just you eat whatever you want when yeah. you want, when you feel like it or? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and do you know what? Instagram is, yeah. I like, you'll see your man, what's his name, Martin McDonald and all these, James Smith and yeah, my least favourite people in the world. And they just think that it's, yeah, just eat whatever you want, when you want. And it's the complete opposite. So mm -hmm. intuitive eating is a framework. Um, it's, is it, do they call it a self-care eating framework or something? I'm not an expert in it. I'm still in my kind of own journey. I'm definitely going to train in it. So if anybody's an expert in intuitive yeah. eating listening here. Explain as best you can, I suppose, from yeah. your knowledge, um, what it is, I yeah. suppose, in simple terms for people that might not know. Because yeah. I still, <laughs> I'm still not like clear on it. Um, like I still think it's, 
I don't know. I've never studied it or anything. So I'm still like, is it just that you just eat what you want when you want? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's definitely not. So there's 10 principles and you kind of work your way through every principle. So now will I be able to remember the 10? <laughs> so the, uh, one of the principles is to ditch the diet mentality. So and every single principle, like it's deep, like it's deep, deep work. So like if you're looking for some airy fairy thing, intuitive eating isn't the one like you're going to face your demons are mm. going to face like the things that are really holding you back and that self-sabotage um, because it's not about, oh, just eat eat three times a day. Like it's nothing like that. It's about why you're eating the way you're eating. And, um, you know, one of the principles is cope with emotions, with kindness. And it's about self-compassion and it's about your stress and um, honouring your hunger and honouring your fullness. And so essentially there's a lot of therapy in it as well. A lot, a lot. I worked with Nutrition with Neve, Neve Orbinski, and it was over, I think it was about eight months, about mm-hmm. 10 sessions. And like, it's therapy. It actually is. Like, it's not, um, like, I definitely don't feel like I'd be qualified right now to work in it. Like, I think you need to do your own journey in it like you can't just kind of hop into it because when you're sitting with people the things that you're uncovering are deep yeah. you know that way and, and a lot of them would be as like with any trauma from childhood like yeah yeah exactly and like if you think about it our eating habits a lot of it is to do with how we grew up mm-hmm. and the environment that we're surrounded in and society and the messages that we've been getting since we were so young so intuitive eating goes to there. And it it works that out, you know, so you go through all the different principles and, you know, some of them kind of overlap and you'll go back through them. um, But there's 10 of them and they cover everything from your emotions to food rules. And like, I think when I was working with Neve, one of the things (coughs) that I realized was before I would like sit down to eat a meal, I asked myself about 16 questions. So I was like, right, what did I eat for my last meal? What time am I going to eat again? So how many carbs are in this? How much protein is in this? How much fats is in this? If I remove some of this fat, can I fit in maybe some chocolate in a while? That's me. Yeah. And, but can you imagine? I thought you were going to say that that's what intuitive eating was about. Ask yourself these 16 (laughs) questions before you eat. And I was like, hmm. No. Um, No, but that's me. Yeah. I'm like, I'm on my fitness pal and then I'm like, okay, if I eat this with my dinner, this amount of fat, then I can't have a snack bar after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I cut this, will I be able to have that? Like it's obsessive, really. Like. It's obsessive. And what I just found was I was just burnt out by it. Like I was just like. Oh, I get quite overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like probably in the stage that you were at a few years ago where I kind of go through phases of like being really heavy on my fitness pal and like really strict with myself mm-hmm. um, and then just getting really overwhelmed by it and just like no I need to stop this and it's unhealthy and I need to like go back to basics and just eat <laughs> like, yeah yeah, um, yeah and that's I think I was on that so right and we're gonna probably talk about masculine and feminine yeah um, for a while but like I grew up in masculine energy like myself so like did I. like when I was even going through my fitness, you know, craze, like David Goggins, I loved him. Like I absolutely loved him. Like all this real, just push it until you mm. bleed. Like, do you know that way? Like, it's like, if you're making excuses, like you're a failure, like, you know, it's like, if you can control yourself, what can you control? Like, and 
all this kind of thing. So it was like, but it's so external and it's so, it just doesn't sit right with me whatsoever. And obviously the work that I do with like the menstrual cycle now and all that intuitive eating really links well with that because it's all about coming back to yourself and trust in yourself. So like, you know, James Smith or whoever, it says like, oh, if I trusted myself to eat what I wanted, I'd just eat pizza all day. But that's not true. Like, it's not. No. Halloween was yesterday. I didn't eat one sweet. Like, yeah. I literally didn't eat a thing because I just didn't want it. Yeah, Whereas, it's funny, isn't it? Like, because I would have been, I would have been like that as well. I'd be like, oh, I can't trust myself, you know, mm-hmm. to not stay away from, even though it's Halloween back. But like, I think I probably had a few jellies. That was it. Like, yeah. you know. Isn't that amazing? Like, Which is mad because I wasn't thinking about it. Yeah. Do you know, I just wasn't even like, oh my God, I can't have any of that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas it's... if I was in that mindset at the, yesterday or whatever, I would have been like, probably binging. Yeah. You know, which is what, something that I do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's mad. Yeah. And there's, yeah, it's, it's so it's definitely a like complex kind of topic. And you know, healthy habits are definitely a part of it. Like one of the principles, it's the final principle. And um, the principles, you can kind of mix and match, like you can go to six and then go back to one. And But number 10 is honour your health. And they leave that to the very last because it's quite hard until you unroot the other stuff. And until Yeah, you, I can understand that can be quite triggering. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm kind of finding now in consultations with women is I'm sometimes finding it hard to, you know, if women are coming to me with hormone problems, um, endometriosis, PCOS, like say take PCOS, for example, um, you know, if, if a woman has insulin resistance, we do need to work on diet. So it's quite hard when that woman has a history of diet and mm-hmm. a history of, you know, constant pursuit of thinness and they're stressed and obsessed about food. I am kind of finding it a bit hard to work on diet without working on the intuitive eating. Like I've sent a lot of women to Neve or, you know, to other intuitive eating counsellors to kind of work on that first because it's hard to balance the two. Like I think yeah. it's it's nearly impossible, you know, that way. Um, I'm sure you can imagine like when you're doing it for your health, but I think diet culture is so sneaky in that it's telling us that it's for your health, but yeah. it's, it's not like, you know, that way my most, when I was my most leanest and so-called fit, I was so unhealthy. Like I was so unhealthy. I had like mood swings, no sex drive. I was having these random illnesses. Like I had like inflammation of the eye one time. My eye went all blurry, you know, random things yeah. like that. And the doctor couldn't explain it. Like, and I, now I look back and I'm like, cause I was absolutely off the walls. Like yeah, it's like with stress as well. With stress. An obsession and, over the food. Yeah. Yeah. And so you looked. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. And that's, I think, and I had this discussion on, um, my podcast with Sarah Richardson. I train at the moment and I'm still in that mindset to get smaller. Mm-hmm. to be smaller because that's how society views women you yeah. know we always have to be smaller and mm-hmm. you know the tiny waist and all of that um and that's been my main motivation to train for probably most of my life or mm-hmm. when I got into training when I first got into training it was def- definitely my mo- my motivation now at the time I was very overweight so okay something had to be done about 
about that for like, you know, various reasons. I was having problems with my knees and stuff like that. Um, but still now, like, yeah, I would see myself as being too big or whatever mm-hmm. and wanting to feel smaller. Yeah. So I can see how definitely it can be difficult to work with. Yeah. And I think part of the intuitive eating, I'm going to probably say journey about 10 hundred times. Um, but in part, part of the intuitive eating journey is realizing that I don't think those thoughts will ever go. Mm. They'll get quieter and they'll get less frequent. But I still, to be honest, like some of my best training days, like I remember the buzz back in Toronto of like when I mean smashing a workout like and I love that buzz. Yeah. But that was fueled by I was the leanest I ever was. So mm-hmm. I was like, it's it's actually, you know, it's actually pretty self-obsessed when you think about it. It's like you're like, you're, se- you're obsessed with yourself because you're like, oh, you're so lean. But yeah. it's like, it's just so like empty. It's like, oh, what is the real purpose of that? Like, and actually that's one of the questions. One of the biggest things that I go back to when I have wobbly days is like, what is my purpose in life? Like, what's what do I want to get out of everything, every single situation, like, and it's never to look the skinniest. No, never. I think I was quite lucky in that um, Laura Murray, who I trained with, like, over the last few years, she, no, I don't anymore, but she changed my mindset in some ways and said to me, you know, that's actually the least interesting thing about you is like your size or your weight or your like how you look and that's kind of like a kick in the arse like Mm -hmm. the least interesting thing about you is how you look even though like our whole lives we're kind of like obsessed with how we look like makeup and whatever like we just Mm -hmm. had a conversation before about how you bumped into someone and you had no makeup on and you were mortified like I was the same and I'd still be the same Mm -hmm. I don't I rarely leave the house without makeup because it's almost like a self-conscious thing and yeah but no one gives a shit no, like, no. And it's, yeah, I think I've, it's one of the, it's like, it sounds like a bad thing, but it's actually a really good thing because mm-hmm. you're like, I'm, I'm so insignificant in this big world. Like, it's like, yeah. you know, that way. So no, I totally, I totally get you. And I think that's a way of women end up playing small, you know, because we're so obsessed with our looks. And I don't, I don't think it's entirely our fault. Like I, I think, um, I don't think it's our fault at all, but I do think when you become aware of it, um, it's obviously up to you, but I put time and effort in trying not to care about it. Mm -hmm. And even though sometimes the low self-esteem days or the low self-worth days, I will, I'll I'll put on makeup and I'll put on something nice to wear. It's like your armor. To make yourself feel better, yeah. Yeah, but... (laughs) you know, a lot of the times if I'm doing meditation or journaling, it's about like, okay, what is actually the purpose of being here? Like, it's not about your looks. Like, it's like literally the least interesting thing about you. Yeah. And it is quite comforting when you think of it in that way, you know? Yeah. I find it quite comforting as well. Like, I think sometimes it can be taken (coughs) a bit like, I don't know, some people can find it offensive that it's like no one actually cares. Mm -hmm. No one gives a shit about you, but like... I find that quite comforting, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> in a weird way. Maybe it's what you're saying about the bit of social anxiety. I'm like, yeah. phew. <laughs> yeah, no one actually cares. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, that probably brings us nicely into Divine Masculine and Divine Feminine. Tell mm-hmm. me how you started to get into that work or to look at that work. Um, yeah. 
I and we might come back to hormones, we might not. But, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, or it might tie in together, I don't know. Yeah, I suppose. Firstly, I'm definitely not an expert in this. I've listened to your podcast with Sarah Richardson and she's like an absolute goddess in that work. But I, you came to my the yeah. Rediscovering Feminine and the first one was about the power of the feminine. And I wanted to do that first because I suppose the whole thought process behind Rediscovering Feminine and the name, um, I thought it was good for the, the first one. But as I said, like when I was growing up, I was very in the masculine and I think my default is the masculine and it's it's nearly like an armor, mm-hmm. you know, that way. And it's how I you protect yourself and how like I look to success as like, you know, producing and doing and, you know, becoming bigger in certain ways. Um, but really, you're denying that feminine part of you. And I just think that that's so important for women um, and like life in general isn't set up for women and I'm not, it's not, it's not, it's no, you know, man fashion. It's not, <laughs> I'm not man fashion, like absolutely love men and the divine masculine is so important and men are so important mm-hmm. and a balance of both is so important. Yeah, a balance of both, like everything that they do. But I do think that we need to like look at the imbalance in the world. Obviously, I'm not going to get into politics. I don't have the first notion, but a lot of the destruction in the world is, um, I suppose, due to ego. Toxic, you know, toxic, toxic masculinity. Yeah, as exactly. opposed to divine masculine. Yeah, and it, it just comes to a head. So even, sorry, I'm kind of, going arse ways about this but if you think about the the working day or the working week like that you know five days a week that was created years for men for men mm-hmm. when the um the woman was at home yeah and that worked at the time you know that way and it's amazing that men went out and they provided and you know look at everything that they built and all that it's amazing calm down yeah I know <laughs> like I'm not man bashing I swear to God but on the other hand now we have and like now I have clients who are career women they're working um, their arses off and they're going home and they're doing most of the housework and everything and they're just denying they're not denying it specifically but life in general is set Society up to deny still it. is denying it because we still yeah. work nine to five as women yeah um and try to rear kids and you know mm-hmm. I know it all too well because I'm a single mom but like not to dwell on that too much but it's, it's fucking hard like to yeah. go out and work that's why I find it so hard to go out and work Monday to Friday yeah nine to five like I'm so lucky in that like or am I, I don't know, that, you know, corporate is quite understanding now in that, like, I still get to drop my kid to school and then I go to work, Mm -hmm. get my work done and then I leave. But, um, yeah, I still leave my kid for the whole day and I don't see him until, what, like six o'clock, five, six o'clock in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, it's just, it's just wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And then you switch into the mother role, which is very different. So, And it takes a while to come, come into that, like sometimes. A hundred percent. And, having to being able to just get rid of everything that went on that day and then come in and be you know picture perfect mother like that's I yeah. see a lot of guilt if anyone scre- sees me screaming down the other 50 <laughs> on the way that's home from work doing. every evening that's what I'm doing shaking it off <laughs> shaking and it that's, all off. that's the best way to do it like literally so I suppose singing my little heart out <laughs> yeah so that that's why I feel like the menstrual cycle and 
the likes of women's circles is a great way to bring in that feminine energy and to honor the feminine inside us. And like, I think it's amazing in workplaces when more the feminine is allowed in and it's, you know, met for men as well. Like, you know, mm. do you ever, um, <laughs> so funny, I'm not going to like put it on my partner, but like men need that feminine side as well. Absolutely, like, yeah. you know, like their work to the bone. They at need times. the divine feminine do, as well as yeah, divine masculine. Yeah, like they need to have that side and to be allowed to express that, you know, that way. And it's it's not doing any of us favors by denying it. So I suppose that through the menstrual cycle work is how you can bring it into our lives and the men in our lives if we're totally open. You know, years ago, like hiding your period products and, mm-hmm. you know, calling it a, a code name. Well, people still do. Still, I know. You know, like I was actually only thinking about this the other day when I went to like put a tampon up my sleeve, like going to the bathroom. It's like, but what is the big deal? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I they all have like wives and sisters and yeah. can we not just whip our tampon out and just walk to the toilet with it in our hand? Like it's yeah. not a big fucking deal. It's like, you know, it's in packaging. It's yeah. not like. And I think one of the things that I've kind of heard on this thing is that it's like, um, you know, you wouldn't like say um, the same as like going to the toilet as in like going for a poo or going for a wee. But it's it's completely different. Like, you know, menstrual blood is actually has, you know, lots of amazing properties. It's totally clean. It's it's not the same. Whereas I think a lot of people see it as the same. So they're like, you wouldn't go it's dirty. Like, yeah. yeah, they see it as dirty. So they're like, you wouldn't go flaunting that around. So like, why are, are you, you know, willing to show that like it should be behind closed doors, but it's actually completely the opposite. Like, I think his menstrual blood has like stem cells. It's like one of the only um. I'm not sure because I'm actually really uneducated like yeah. like most of us I think growing up yeah like with no disrespect to like my mom like she did give us a good sex education but at the same time it was from a book like you know yeah um she told us like the bare basics probably because she wasn't taught either yeah. you know like yeah. um and that's the reality like yeah obviously I, I'm learning now as I'm older but yeah I mean up in menopause in like 10 years so <laughs> I know I know and menopause is amazing too it's actually it's a whole other world that's coming out now thank god mm. but I, I think that's such a common story for so many of us like I'm so lucky I came from my mom's a single mom it was just the two of us and I remember the first day I got my period like she brought me out shopping like took me off school like it was like a celebration which that's is so nice yeah it's amazing and it's not that we spoke about it in depth but it was definitely like a proud thing you know that kind of way like it wasn't hidden or anything like that and I think like that I was I was very independent when I was young so like I remember the first day I got it like I went around to the C&T's and like I bought tampons not a bother on me like yeah. you know that way <laughs> that's like, amazing though yeah I wasn't hiding it at all because I I got emba- I was still embarrassed about it probably into my 20s like really yeah yeah, yeah. it's probably only Actually, do you know what? Was, and now I had no one when I was 27. So it was probably only after I had a baby. And like, I know anyone who's had a baby will say that, you know, you leave your inhibitions at the door because yeah. you're literally like doctors are examining you and you just, you just, your any kind of prudeness goes out the window. Yeah. So it was probably, yeah, after, only after I had Noah that I just didn't give a shit anymore. <laughs> yeah. And do you think if you had kind of the menstrual cycle awareness and education, do you think you would have experienced pregnancy different or 
anything like that? I don't think so. I don't think pregnancy. Um, because when it came to that, I was very open because I knew it was the health of my baby rather yeah. than me that I didn't care. I was just like, yeah. you know, here, look at my vagina. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> whereas, um, yeah, whereas if it was something different, like if it was just about me, like previously, like smear tests and stuff, I would have got like super embarrassed about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like it's funny. Um, But when it came to pregnancy, I, I think that probably brought it. Mm-hmm. the shyness out yeah like whereas yeah. now I suppose pregnancy is more accepted like mm. it's more out in the open yeah. and it's more and it's more like it's accepted as a natural thing as you say rather than a period yeah exactly and like that's one of the first masterclass I did like I don't know two years ago or something like I was like asked them like ask the women there is like what do you think when you think of like your menstrual cycle or your hormones and it's like oh like pain the arse a nuisance hate it disgusting Mm. awful like you know all these bad things and I you know was explained like our menstrual cycle it's not just about a bleed like it that's the most least significant thing about your menstrual cycle and it's funny sorry to cut across Mm. you but it's funny that you say that because I remember there was a culture years ago when we were growing up as teenagers of you know, taking the pill for going on holidays and stuff so you can yeah. skip your period. And it's it's weird because I thought that all was gone out the window. And I saw something came up on my stories the other day on Instagram about some, I don't know whether it was a pill or some yeah. vitamin or something that you could take to actually stop your period for an occasion. Yeah. And I was like, why are we still doing this? Like in 2022. That's I think crazy. I actually, I had a bride who messaged me and sent me, I can't remember the name of it. Um, it was only this summer and she said, what do you think of this? Like, I'm thinking about taking it. She was due her period on her wedding day. Um, and like that, I looked it up and whatever, gave her some advice. But it depends how you experience your period. So I I actually understand it because I um, my period's absolutely fine now. But maybe years ago when I was struggling with my period or like I have some friends who are crippled, like absolutely crippled. I have clients who like vomit, they faint yeah. from the period. So things like that are an absolute godsend. And like that, the pill, like it's oh, it, I could do a whole <laughs> podcast on that. But I like I didn't have a period for nine years. Like I was on the depo injection. You're only meant to I had that as well when I was in my God. early, early 20s. Yeah. yeah. I only, ha- I, I was on it for maybe a year. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, for like that for me, it was recommended to me because I'm so like ditzy that I'd forget to take a pill. Yeah. Um, So they were like, oh, this new injection, you never have to remember. You just come in every six weeks and get it done. And I was like, oh yeah, go on, hit me yeah. up with that. So amazing. Like, um, Yeah, but it was awful. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what? It actually really suited me. Like I felt great on it so I thought I was fine but it's it didn't sit right with me afterwards thinking back like that it stopped my period yeah. completely like that's insane yeah to me like where where the fuck did it go <laughs> I know you're only you're only meant to be on it for two years because it affects your bone density yeah and I remember that I this is how disconnected I was from my body and like from the feminine and I thought I literally went and I like lied to the doctors in Toronto to get it again. Like I was like, who needs bone density? Like, oh literally, like I was like, I've no period. Like, I yeah. was, and like, yeah, so I was on it for nine years. You're only meant to be on it oh, for two wow. years. Um, no, I, I got it in Toronto. But then I did tell the other doctor and he was like, oh, your bone density will come back. And I said, oh, great. Oh, fine. That's <laughs> so fine. I just like continued it. Isn't that? It's just insane when I think about it. Um, 
I was, that's how I really got into the menstrual cycle work because I was still on that when I came home from Toronto before I started nutritional therapy and I was at my most anxious like I was really really bad really socially anxious just general anxiety intrusive thoughts the whole lot like it was awful um and I obviously didn't know why until I learned about the menstrual cycle and I learned about like as I was saying it's not just your period like your hormones are involved in everything and as a woman your menstrual cycle your hormones that rule that so estrogen testosterone and progesterone affect your thyroid hormone they affect your GABA your serotonin they affect your digestion they affect your appetite like they affect everything and it's crazy how many women don't actually realize this like and But why wouldn't it? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you're stopping an important bodily function. Why wouldn't it affect the rest of yeah. the yeah. functions of your body? Yeah, it's like so when I learned that then I was like, right, I'm coming off this definitely. And it was like nearly was it just going on 12 months and I got my period back and it was literally I was like, oh, my God, thank God. I was getting so worried. Like I was like, will I ever get it back? Mm. Like because it was so long and I was training with a trainer at the time and my strength, like it was just gone. Like it was just. It's mad, isn't it? Because I say that sometimes there are some times in my cycle where I'm stronger and it'll often be during my period. Like, Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Like, so, so yeah, I suppose I've gone off on a bit of a um, roundabout there. but No, but it brings us ni- nicely into hormones and you, how, how you got into that. And, you know, obviously yeah. that it was then. Um, and studying the menstrual cycle and stuff like that. And I think if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit, bit about the seasons, because like I mm-hmm. said, like this is something that I've only learned in the last maybe like four or five years, mm-hmm. maybe less um, about like the seasons. And at the moment, I'm only learning like how we feel so differently in our different cycle seasons. Yeah, yeah. So I so suppose that's how I got into it. So I was on the... Um, injection and I had no period had no cycle I was so anxious I was actually at a really like I don't have you heard of the Saturn return no so it's I don't know much about astrology or anything like that but it's a period from when you're 27 to 30 and now if any astrologers are listening to this they're gonna be like what is she talking about I think someone told me about this the other day yeah sent me uh clips of yeah, it's it, it might like look into it. it's coming out a bit more now. And um, there's you know Kagi that used to be made in Chelsea. No, no, she so she has a podcast called the Saturn Returns. <laughs> yeah, I used to love it, but she has a podcast called the Saturn Returns, and it's about this time in your life. Supposedly, I I think it's Saturn takes twenty seven years to loop the Earth. So when you were born, from the time. From like it takes 27 years and when that starts to come back around things start to change so it's supposedly this like big kind of transformational time and um, relationships can you know get rocky and um, what else like you know job changes like really big mm. changes or just like a turbulent kind of Mine's time definitely happened this year <laughs> yeah you should look it up you can you can actually calculate I actually it should. and that's mad because normally like I would I started off my spiritual journey like from astrology because I would be Mm -hmm. big into astrology. Um, But I've never actually heard of that. Yeah, yeah. So and it's 
I always my astrology things are weird because it's like I don't seek them out like I don't look up astrology but I would have things happening and then somebody will say to me like oh this 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 is and happening you today back, yeah. and I'm like what that is so weird so I was I know, going I definitely feel all the retrogrades and yeah. see that eclipse like last week like oh, yeah. the mental dreams. energy yeah yeah Mad. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, you're grand. No. So, yeah. So from 27 to 30 was really kind of the point that I was like, it was going either way. Like, you know, I was so anxious. I had to do something about it. Like, I didn't really realize. I didn't even know what anxiety was at the time. It was actually only a friend and I was talking to her and she was like, God, you're really anxious, aren't you? And I was like looking at her. I was like, I was like, no, never even thought about it. And after that, then I was like, oh, my God, all these things that I do, like out of anxiety. And then I found, learned about intrusive thoughts. And I was like, oh, my God, like so. But this was all going on during my Saturn return. So 27 to 30. Um, and as well as that, I was then sorry, after that, when I was learning about the menstrual cycle and I learned about our hormones and how they impact our mood and um, like GABA is really important for calming and progesterone is really important. It's like our anti-anxiety, it's called like nature Xanax, like it's really good for calming. And I was never calm, like I was always on high alert, just constantly like, um, so when I was reading about that, I was like, God, I was like, is that why? Because I had no menstrual cycle. So that's how makes sense. I yeah. got into it was kind of all these things, you know, culminated at once. And that's how I got into then the menstrual cycle. Um, and nutritional therapy is kind of like, you know, like a GP, the way a GP is like general practice. So mm -hmm. they know a lot about um, or they know a little about a lot of things. So nutritional therapy is quite the same in that you learn about all the systems of the body, um, but you don't learn things in depth. So when I learned about the menstrual cycle, I said, right, I need to know more and I need to know, you know, how I can help myself and get my cycle back. And that's when I really started my own, you know, my own research and looking into it. I started following, you know, Ashling AOK Nutrition. I think mm -hmm. she records here, does she? She does, yeah. And um, that's, I started following her and I also um, read School. So they wrote Wild Power and they introduced me to the inner seasons. And once I got my cycle back and I start having a regular cycle, I was like, oh my God, this is insane. Like, it's just... And even working your daily life around that. Yeah, literally. Like knowing when the, when you actually need to take a step back, maybe work from home, like, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, which I find, like, it's funny, I find a bit of resistance around in maybe older generations because they're kind of like, what is this? Just get on with it. Like, oh, 100%. Literally. It's and it's like that, that kind of masculine energy too, mm. which I would have put on myself. Like, I would have said, like, get up like you know yeah. and and you know part of that is great but not honoring your needs is it's not good in the mm. long run like we can't keep burning the candle at both ends so I suppose I'll will I get into the yeah, inner seasons, the seasons yeah so we'll start in inner winter so your inner winter is your time of bleed so your period time um and you can bleed for about three to seven days anything usually outside of that would be you know, heavier bleeding and um, maybe you should kind of look into it if you experience other symptoms too. But if you liken 
your period to the season winter. So if you think about winter, what do you like doing during winter? What does nature do during winter? Okay, it sheds a lot. Mm -hmm. So if you think about your period of shedding, um, it's quite reflective. It's quite a dark time. Hibernation as well. Hibernation, like, you know, you're you're kind of um, building up your energy, your rest. And so that's like your inner winter. Um, and how you can use that to adapt to your lifestyle is just as you said, like, we need to rest, do mm-hmm. you know, that way. Um, so asking yourself daily, like, how do I feel? Like, what inner season am I in my inner winter? And then honoring your needs. And you'll get better at noticing what season you're in the more you do it. Um, yeah, it's funny because when I start, like when I started to look at it, I didn't even know. No. Didn't no. even know. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, like, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry. And every everyone's different as well. Like, so for instance, my inner winter is really, really short. Like I, you know, I only bleed for about three days. And from day three onwards, when I mean, I'm literally like get out the gate like I'm like raring to go and goddess like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like I was only talking about my sis this to my sister the other day like she was she was like oh I'm due my period like as in it was coming mm-hmm. the next day and I'm the same as you like I'd only yeah. be three days and I'm like I was like oh no I just finished mine so I'm literally like you're gone. goddess energy yeah like straight <laughs> loving away myself <laughs> loving it like so so then we enter so after a period so your period is your inner winter after your period then we enter our inner spring and Again, think to nature, like if you think of what nature does at this time, when you start to track your cycle, you'll feel this in yourself. So it's a real um, innocent time. Like think about like a baby chick hatched, you know, it's quite like an exciting time. And it's about, you know, sprouting. It's about um, creation. It's about new like a rebirth and it's that kind of new energy you can really feel the energy building you're coming into the lighter side of your cycle so like your mood is lighter you're feeling just lighter on your feet like like that about winter do you ever just feel heavy like it's like you're like even you're like talking deeper and you're just Mm, and it's darker and it's dark and you know things are just a bit darker overall and then when you're coming into your inner spring you're like I want to be out I want to see people like I want to move I want to do Mm, things animals are coming out of hibernation yeah exactly (laughs) it's like you're curious and you're a bit more playful and a bit more light-hearted and you know, if you're to adapt this to your lifestyle, this is a great time for work things or for social things. And, um, you know, for things like recording a podcast, that's a great time. <laughs> um, and yeah, like actually we'd probably talk. I won't talk about food now. We'll talk about it maybe in a minute because mm-hmm. it can get a bit messy. Um, but after your inner spring, then you enter your inner summer. And this is your ovulatory phase. So if you are on a fertility journey, this is the time that you're probably, you might be sick of hearing about it at this stage. Um, But this is your fertile time. And this is when estrogen is really peaking. And because estrogen is peaking, that also brings in luteinizing hormone and testosterone as well. So um, a lot of women, sometimes when I tell them that we have testosterone and how important it is, they're like, what? Like, I thought that was like a man's <laughs> hormone, but it's actually so important. And if you're low in testosterone, you'll know about it. And that was actually one of the things um, that I started to feel as well was quite flat. I was either mad anxious or flat. And I've actually spoken, you know, to a few men um, that I know and, you know, throughout COVID and the stress and stuff. And they're talking about feeling flat and 
Um, I was saying that, you know, your stress can affect your hormones and testosterone is needed for our motivation, our mm. energy, our strength, our libido, like our sex drive. Um, I still don't think sex drive is spoken about enough in the sense of like quality of life yeah. it actually gives us and how much our like sexuality is linked to our quality of life. Well, because it was, it, there's a lot of shame around it still. Yeah. Um, and I think I might have had this conversation with Sarah as well. We keep talking about Sarah, but yeah. like there's a lot of shame still around, especially in Ireland, yeah. like around sex and sexuality and all of that. Um, and I think the same kind of shame as there would be around buying period products, you know, yeah. with like condoms or like mm. lubricants or anything like that. Like it's like mortifying, do you Literally. know what I mean? Yeah. Like not now, but like, you know, it would have been yeah. like years ago. Um, and there would have been a lot of shame around it and like especially women's pleasure and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Like and thank Thanks to the Catholic Church, we have the pleasure gap. So it's like, but um, that's so testosterone comes in at that time of inner summer. And if you think about it, like the whole, you know, nature's whole reason for the cycle is to get pregnant and to reproduce. So around that inner summer time, you might find that you're a bit distracted because you're you're cycle is basically wanting you to go out and get laid like it's like you're not it's like I don't want to stay here and work like I want to yeah. go and get out and meet somebody so that's um the kind of characteristics of inner summer and like if you're in the gym this is a good time that your strength is up and um now there are I'm talking about all the good sides of the cycle and when things are in balance but oftentimes things aren't in balance and that's when women come to me and they're saying like I meant to feel like this but I feel the complete opposite so maybe we'll talk about that in in a second um so that would be your inner summer and that's you'll also notice at this time your cervical fluid or your your uh, vaginal lubrication um you get a lot more lubricant and mm-hmm. um, and this is fertile fluid and it helps the sperm reach the egg so that's why that's present um, and you're only fertile for about five days, five to six days, which, again, a lot of women don't know. And that's when. Yeah, that's crazy. And I think that's where the education comes in for younger girls as well is. Yeah. Is then because, you know, all you're taught when you're younger is don't get pregnant. Don't get pregnant. <laughs> the worst thing in the world, yeah. like as if it's like the devil. Yeah. Like you're, you know, it's <laughs> insane. Um, and imagine a world when women or girls when they were so young were able to read their bodies and like mm-hmm. know their bodies and know when they're fertile instead of medicating themselves shutting yeah. off their hormones for the whole entire you know month they could be on the pill for 15 20 years mm-hmm. like you know and um, so that's hopefully will be we'll get to that stage yeah one and day. you can see it changing like I don't think like, I mean, I know our generation now, a lot of people don't actually take the pill and use natural cycles and yeah. other apps and stuff like that um, and know their body's a lot better yeah. now. So I I think, yeah, I think it is definitely changing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that won't be passed down to other generations that, you know, you just take the pill and you get on with it. Like. You just get on with it, I know. At least it'll be encouraged. And for, for men as well, like, to know that, you know, like my boyfriend, like, he's gonna kill me but he's just like what what day are we on today like he knows you know that way like to ask and it helps relationships because 
even today, actually. So after your inner summer, you're in your inner autumn and I'm in my inner autumn today and it's actually possibly the worst day. It's day 20 for me and day 20 for me is just a rocky day. Um, We'll talk about transition days in a minute, but in your inner autumn, um, this is the most common PMS phase. um, So your luteal phase and it's again, we're coming into the darker side of the cycle. So think about autumn at the minute, you know, we're starting to um, shed again. We're starting to, it's kind of a reflective time um, and it's just a change in pace. So I liken it to, you know, if you're like changing gear. So, you know, you're like cruising along. Summer is like you're cruising along fifth gear. Mm-hmm. And then autumn is like you have to come back down to second and you can really feel that change in gear. And it's, like a lot of women see this as a negative time or um, a kind of, again, a nuisance. This is the time that it's a nuisance. It just gets in the way. But I would say this is because life isn't set up for the feminine because I actually love my inner autumn apart from this day 20. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not today, Paul. (laughs) Not today, which is, it's a transition day. So they can be the rocky days. Um, But I love inner autumn. Like it's so reflective. You can really get into things and, you know, do deep work. Um, I love it actually for like admin days as well because you can just zone in, you know, put on a good album um, you're less interested in the outside world and you actually give less fucks. You're like, I don't have time for people's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're, you know, strong in your boundaries and you're strong in yourself, inner autumn's really good because you have no guilt or no, you know, you don't feel bad for saying no to people. Um, again, if you're a family or your kids or if they're clued in in your cycle and you kind of let them know, um, if you think about the the lighter side of the cycle, so your inner spring and your inner summer, that's the acceptable you. So that's the you that's impressing everyone. Mm-hmm. That's the you that's, you know, you're great with your kids. You know, you're answering all the questions. You're playing with them. You know, um, you know, mom's great. You're getting along with everyone. You're saying yes to everything in work. You're saying yes to everyone. And then the darker side of your cycle is less acceptable mm-hmm. because it's like, no, I don't yeah, want to do and it. And it's funny, like in the past, women would have been just seen as like, oh, Jesus, you're hormonal or you, you exactly. must be just getting your period. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that like there's two ways to look at that is like we don't we don't communicate it properly yeah. or we don't have that kind of um way set up like like say me and Paul like we have a really good system going like he actually checks in with me and you know it's not like a big deal it's like a quick like it's just part of your life just part of my life and we have a really good you know communication about it and he respects my stuff and he respects what day I'm on and whatever and we really make it work whereas I think sometimes when maybe like I work in this so I'm really comfortable talking about it and I'm really strong in my stance but maybe Somebody has been to one of my talks before and, you know, they're like, how do I bring this up at home? Like, how how do I bring it up? Like, if it mm. is maybe a household that the menstrual cycle isn't talked about and periods aren't talking about and they're still hiding their pads and tampons in their bedside locker, you know, yeah. it's, it's quite hard to say like, OK, we're all doing menstrual yeah. cycle awareness, <laughs> you know, that way, like, get ready. But I do think when you start to build that up, it just everything becomes easier and you can see how useful the dark side of the cycle is like it's not that you're 
useless, which you're not hormonal because there's less of that rage because there's less resentment, you know, mm. it's like you. Because you're surrendering to it as well. Yeah, yeah, you're surrendering to the change of pace. You're surrendering to the lower energy. You are communicating your needs. People are respecting you and you're just like in your happy little autumn bubble. Do you know that way? And it's great. Like, mm. so that's I think it's so important for women to do this menstrual cycle work even, you know, for a few months and just forget about it then, because I still think once you do it once, mm -hmm. things will stick like. Because and then it's practice, isn't it? Because I mean, yeah, you go yeah. through it every month anyway. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Things, they just stick and things become so much easier. There's so much less um, like less speed bumps like. Yeah. And as I was saying about the transition days, so there's transition days if you think transition in between the seasons so going from winter to spring and spring to summer and all that so they're typically the days that we can get a bit of a wobble and it depends on your genetic makeup it depends on you know how you react to hormone fluctuations like I'm I think I'm very sensitive to hormone fluctuations so I really feel them and my mood changes um, my energy like I can be just flattened some days and I and that's funny because like you wouldn't you wouldn't know that ever you'd think you were just having mm -hmm. an off day you wouldn't know that ever that that was related to your cycle or to a transition day unless you yeah. were well attuned to it like I'm not mm -hmm. attuned to I'd be attuned to my seasons but I'm not attuned to transition days for sure so yeah. Like, I wouldn't know if it was just like, yeah. if I was having a shit day that like, mm -hmm. you know, things were just off balance or whatever. Yeah. And I, it's just great to be aware of it because like that's our, our still is amazing example. But say today, like I was, you know, busy doing work before this and, um, you know, my boyfriend was coming in and I was looking at him like, I am going to <laughs> punch you if you don't get it like out of my face. But if I wasn't aware, I was on day 20 I might not realise and do you know what I kind of find as well is I get a lot of guilt and shame if I'm not in a good mood. Like if I don't feel great and I say I meditated and I journaled and I'm still like pissed off, I'm then I get pissed off myself for being pissed yeah, off. Yeah, because you know? you've no reason to essentially. Exactly. Yeah. And then you're doing the toxic positivity mm -hmm. and I should be grateful and... Yeah again surrender like a lot of it is just like oh I'm on cycle day 20 this is a transition day I'm not the wicked witch of the west it's like, okay to feel like this yeah exactly like and mm. you just take the pressure off yourself you know yeah. and that's one thing with the transition days which I find with clients really transformational because um the transit transition days as well talking about nutrition is a day where cravings can come up and um, your appetite is just insane. Yeah, and sometimes some days you just feel like a gremlin. <laughs> yeah, you're like, a, you know, a bottomless pit. You're mm -hmm. like, I've literally eaten so much. And again, linking this back to the um, diet culture and stuff like before, I would have shamed myself again for like being so hungry and like, how could you be hungry if you just ate that? Whereas now I realize what's going on, you know, and yeah. I based on that can make better decisions for the right reasons instead of I'm really craving chocolate and carbs um, I'm just going to hold off eating until I'm absolutely ravenous and then I'll binge on them later mm. which creates this negative cycle then you're snapping at all the people around you and you're having arguments so now 
you know, one or two transition days has turned into a week of arguments and a week of binge restrict, binge restrict. Whereas, yeah, you know. And it probably brings us nicely then into what we were going to come back to, which is like nutrition for those certain seasons or, you know, those certain days. Yeah. How how does that link in then? Like, how would you know what you might be, say, if you're craving chocolate or, you know, what you, exactly your body might need yeah. during that period? Yeah. So again, like there's so many different ways that you can kind of tackle this. So um, first of all, I would say, again, if you have a history of dieting and you're really restrictive, like before you kind of work on that or be, even become aware of it, like it's not that you have to do intuitive eating and, um, you know, overcome all that deep rooted stuff, but even just becoming aware that it is actually a thing for you and you are being obsessive and you are being restrictive and it is causing you stress. So that's the first step. Um, the second one would be, so if we look at the follicular phase is the first half year cycle. So that's the, um, spring summer that I was talking about and estrogen is dominant at this time. And estrogen is our amazing Beyonce queen hormone. Like it glosses over everything. It just makes us feel like superwoman. <laughs> and one of the reasons that we feel like this is not only it does it increase like dopamine and all those mood enhancing, but it also um, increases our insulin sensitivity. So we break down food easier, more efficiently. So we actually feel more energized. And because of this, we can have so much more or less cravings. Our energy is like really steady. So I often hear women as well, if you think about it, who does the most of, you know, the housework. Sorry, men again, <laughs> if you do housework. But I'm just speaking from my experience of women in consultations. It's like they're like, oh, it's great. Like, you know, I like haven't been thinking about food at all and like I barely ate today like and oh, they just no. think that that's amazing like you know or have you ever heard people say that you know I know it's to do with bloating and stuff like that as well but when you come into your spring it's like oh, I feel so skinny yeah literally <laughs> like you yeah. feel like maybe it's the mentality because you're not reaching for like chocolate or whatever else yeah. you know that you usually crave yeah and you think it's great so I suppose one major tip that I would give during your follicular phase and I'll probably mirror this for the luteal phase is to remember to fuel yourself properly like even though you feel great like thank you estrogen if you don't want to be burnt out in 10 days you need to eat like you know now for those now yeah. like you know because if you think about your inner spring and inner summer if it's anything like me or anything like you know most women that I work with we want to do everything like we want to having great fun with the kids we're running A to B to Z we're going to the gym we're hitting all our steps like everything is really really great but that requires energy so if you're not prioritizing your meals and prioritizing decent food you're going to end up burnt out like you know so follicular phase definitely um make sure that you're fueling properly which is really basic um, but it's so important. And then for the luteal phase, which is the darker half of the cycle. So that's your autumn and your winter that we were talking about. Um, so progesterone is dominant during this time. Your estrogen drops. So because there's less estrogen, we are not breaking down food or utilizing our fuel as efficiently. And this means that we can have um, like a blood sugar roller coaster type scenario. Um, which is my, why you might be reaching for 
quick fixes like chocolate to Yeah, exactly. And why you might notice like say 3 p.m. you're like falling asleep at the desk mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my God, I can't and like as you said, then you're reaching for something sugary or you're reaching for that extra cup of coffee, which then what does that do? It creates this negative cycle. Um and another reason why we end up hungry and you know reaching for you know high energy dense foods is because progesterone increases our thyroid hormone and our thyroid hormone controls our metabolism so it actually because it increases that you'll actually notice that's how you can confirm ovulation is that your your temperature rises so you're actually um you need more calories during your luteal phase so a lot of women say i'm so much more hungry during the luteal phase yeah that's that's yeah you it's are normal like, that's yeah. you are like because your thyroid hormone is increased your body is like actually hotter like your metabolism is higher and you that's know? so like it's so interesting because for someone or for people like you and me who have been in calorie deficits and mm-hmm. you're just on the same consistent calories week on week yeah it doesn't exactly. make sense no no it doesn't like it, it makes sense for you to increase them certain yeah. weeks and yeah exactly and as well the the fluctuation days, as I said, like the transition days, they can feel like you're you're a bit thrown off, like you're, and that's with intuitive eating as well. Like it it prepares you for these wobbles because you're listening to your body, like you know mm. that way. And equally, I've found since I've done intuitive eating during my well, number one during my luteal phase, like I I don't really have cravings and. It's not that cravings are bad. Like, I'm not saying, oh, I'm great. I don't have any cravings. But I just mean, I used to have such intense cravings. And I'm working from home since I was, um, since 2017. And like, when I had cravings at home, like, I couldn't control myself. Like, I just couldn't. And I, I don't have that anymore. So it's such a great stress relief because I don't know about you or, you know, being at home. And if you're obsessive over food. Yeah. It's very hard Mm -hmm. because it's right there. And if you're procrastinating, if you're not in great form, if you're avoiding things, what I did was I turned to food. Mm, As a comfort, yeah. Yeah, as a comfort and just to procrastinate. And then what's that do? Sure, that just threw off my blood sugars and it made me so tired. I'd have to get into bed sometimes, you know, that way. And then there'd be guilt with that. Mm. So all of these things, I think, is, you know, it's this is where I come back to that menstrual cycle awareness and learning. But sorry, back on the food Um, some general tips apart from the follicular phase and um, the luteal phase would be fiber. Like, I don't know if like, I still don't hear that much about fiber and I'm in the nutrition field no. and I, I still don't like and fiber, I think for me anyways, has to be possibly the most important you know, food group ever. You'd be surprised as well because obviously it's something that um, PTs have made me track in the past. Okay, You'd yeah. be surprised at how little you actually do get. Yes. It's it's frightening. Yeah, it is. Especially when you are like counting calories and you're like focusing on protein or whatever. Yeah. Like how little fibre you get. It's actually shocking. Yeah, yeah. And see, that's, see, there's one kind of point to tracking your food because it's good that you become aware of that, you know. Yeah. it's I'm really against tracking in the sense of like calories and stuff because as we were saying, you're like, oh, I'll take away some of those fats and all yeah. that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. No, I still do, like my relationship has improved with it a lot. Like um, I wouldn't be quite so bad now, but 
I would do it to ensure that I get enough. Yeah. That I eat enough. And that's because, yeah. like, if I don't, I don't eat enough calories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do it to ensure that I eat enough and to make sure that I feel my body and that I am getting enough protein yeah. to have that energy. Yeah. And that's, um, that's but yeah, really fiber good. is still quite low. Oh, and it's just <laughs> it's so important. I, I struggle with, like... Yeah, that's like, so the number one thing I'd kind of work is like, say if a client came in to me and, you know, their symptoms, um, say like estrogen dominant symptoms. So like, um, like sore, tender breasts, um, like mood swings, period pain, heavy periods. I, they, you know, signal to me estrogen dominant. So that means that we have too much estrogen, not enough progesterone. Um, and this can be due to loads of different reasons. So one of the reasons is there's an enzyme in the gut called beta-glucuronidase and our and our hormones are excreted through our gut. So they go through the intestine and there's um, if there's an overgrowth of certain bacteria and that enzyme is present, it actually cleaves the estrogen from the food so from like your stool and it brings it back into circulation so you can actually have like a bigger build up of estrogen mm. so one way to you know help this is to increase your fiber because fiber feeds the bacteria in the gut so hopefully the good um you know the good strains will thrive and yeah. you won't have this this enzyme as active um, another thing with fiber and you know everything really comes back down to the microbiome so like all your little gut gut bugs are so important for your inflammation and your signaling you know your mood like it's just I know and I think people are only discovering that now especially around mood and mental health and stuff like that Mm -hmm. the importance of gut health yeah you know that goes hand in hand yeah and this like it's so simple fiber like increase your fiber and like legumes if you're you know looking for certain foods like legumes like beans um, chickpeas, lentils, your starchy veg, which is another thing that I, a lot of these foods as well, like diet culture would demonize, you know, like starchy veg is like too much carbs yeah. in carrots and parsnips. Yeah, and I had that. this chat with, um, with Stephen Tierney and Martin when they were on uh, Martin Long mm-hmm. and it was so ridiculous. Like I remember a very long time ago now, but an old PT, who I obviously won't name, like was mm-hmm. making me track broccoli and stuff, like oh, which was stop. just insane. I know. Do you know? Like it's, I do you know? I was there. Like I mm-hmm. was at that point at one at one stage. Like I was yeah. literally chicken and broccoli, and that's all I ate for probably months on end. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's easy to get sucked into because you genuinely think that you're doing it for your health, you know that way. But then when you really learn about the different foods and you're just like, I can't believe I was like denying my body of all that. And you think of like what's bad for the microbiome. So like the sweeteners, you know, the artificial sweeteners and think about all the fulfill bars and monsters and all those <laughs> yeah. things. Like it's like it's just not doing us any favors. But if so, one thing for your your hormones would be fiber, like load up on it. Another would be just color. Like I know that's so simple, but like eating a rainbow seven mm. to ten portions of fruit and veg a day um, all different colors like all the different colors are different phytonutrients that you can only get in plants and the effect again that they have one on your gut bugs two on inflammation like they're full of antioxidants when you even say seven to ten I'm like I'm sitting here in my head and I'm like I probably get at the most three to four like a day 
Yeah. No wonder my fibres are low. <laughs> it's it's easy, easily done. Like, do you know when we're busy? Like, mm. as we are saying, you're busy, like, you know, planning food. Oftentimes, again, in consultation, like, I know women want to eat better and... But they're like, I. how do I do it? Yeah. Like a lot of it is like basic kind of planning. And unfortunately, it comes down to you just have to plan and do and prep. it. Yeah. yeah. And when you're flat out all week, you know, you're tired in the evenings and then your weekends are spent, you know, doing things. It's like, where do you find the time to cook mm. sometimes? So it is really understandable that you can go low on them. But if somebody is coming to me with really severe period things that I'd you know, this is what we'd be focusing on. Yeah. Um, cruciferous vegetables as well. They are, they're known as like anti-carcinogenics, um, like your your broccoli and your cabbage and your cauliflower. Um, they have a compound sulforaphane or indole tree carbonyl. And yeah, they're just little heroes. Like I'd load up on them, load up on your greens and um, try to wash your veg mm-hmm. as well. Wash the pesticides off them. Um, what else? Healthy fats. So if you think every single cell in our body is surrounded by a phospholipid bilayer, so lipid is the word for fat. Mm-hmm. So every single cell in our body is surrounded by a fat. That's what it's actually covered. So like if you think about um, proper cell signaling, we want fats, like we want healthy yeah. fats. So your nuts, your seeds, your oily fish, like getting your omega-3s in, um, really important. And... Yeah, I think they'd be kind of the main food, like just really basic, I suppose, just for everyone. Like you can't go wrong. Increase your fiber, increase your color, increase your cruciferous vegetables and your healthy fats. Mm. Because fats, again, is something that I could. It was demonized, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, that comes back to like, God love, I'm bashing the parents now. But I think that comes back to a lot of like the 80s and 90s would have been there would have been a big sort of diet culture around fats and having low fat foods. And like, I remember like having Lolo and like all mm-hmm. those rotten butters in the house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like obviously now that doesn't happen. Like my mom's gone completely back to full fat butter and mm-hmm. oils. And she did a very long time ago. Now there was, it was probably rare that in fairness that we had like any of that Lolo spread. But like, yeah. Yeah. They were definitely demonized and the um, sugar as well. I think if you look at like, you know, food through the history. And salt, sorry, but yeah. like salt is something that not a lot of us get enough of nowadays, yeah. like, and it's yeah. completely demonized. Yeah, it's just like, you know, there's always uh, something. That's, a trend, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, a trend, yeah. exactly. Like, and our fats, we just need them. And all those, um, like the margarines and all that, they're absolute bad news you know they're full of trans fats and mm. they're definitely not the fats that you want to be and you want to be eating like you know the pure the real fats like um so yeah I think they'd be probably the most basic tips on nutrition that I could give in brilliant yeah yeah um what about like we touched on there during the seasons if if something was off balance like how would you how would you know or how would you feel yeah, so I suppose, like, say for, um, let's start with inner spring. So for inner spring, you know, we were talking about your mood should be uplifted and your energy should be grown. Um, women 
if they're off balance in their inner spring, what I notice is they're quite drained. So instead of feeling uplifted, they're feeling the complete opposite. They might be actually quite angry um, and annoyed. And it's like they're like, I don't want to start a new cycle. You know, it's like everything's screaming, like I'm not ready. Mm. Um, so again, like a lot of a lot of the actual work that I do isn't based on nutritional therapy. Like it's actually based on that menstrual cycle awareness and just our body's way of giving us signs and, you know, those whispers and usually they have an, an underlying meaning. So if you find in your inner spring after your um, period ends, like your energy doesn't start to increase and you're quite annoyed and you're not feeling that uplifted and um, like as your estrogen rises, like your skin should start to look better and you start to be more confident. If you're not feeling that it is a sign that something's maybe you know, not gone right and something is off balance. Now, that can be totally dependent on that person, their life, you know, what's going on for them at the time. But things that maybe I'm thinking would be maybe you could be anemic. Um, a lot of women are low on iron, like a lot of women don't eat red meat and they don't eat a lot of vitamin C foods. And if they bleed heavily during their period, mm. they could actually be low in iron, um, which is a quite you know, simple thing to fix. Um, so if you're feeling tired after your period, then maybe get your iron levels checked. And if not, then maybe you haven't honoured the need to rest yeah. during your cycle. It could be that simple. like Literally could be that mm -hmm. simple. I actually only had a message um, from a girl the other week and she said that she said during her period, um, her inner winter, she was like flattened, like could not get out of bed. And she she's actually a personal trainer and she like I know her she's you know spot on with her diets lovely and balanced and all that um but she is a power lifter and I was saying like how is your training you know with your cycle and I was saying like maybe you need to chill on the training when you're coming up to your period like and she was like god I never even thought of that like she's there lifting like god I don't know she's like obviously powerlifting yeah. really heavy weights and she's not changing her training to do with her cycle because yeah. I'm probably wondering why she might feel weaker one day and yeah. stronger the next yeah exactly and she was like like I cannot lift my head she was like there's like a day or two where I can't get out of bed like that's how bad it is and I was like maybe that's why you know that way maybe you just need to rest a bit Honor more it, yeah. yeah and you know a lot of us that are lucky with our cycle the signs can be quite subtle until they get to a stage where they're really bad, you know, mm -hmm. that way. So again, that's where the menstrual cycle awareness, like when something's a teeny bit wrong, you're like, oh, I need to, to work on that, that right before what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Before it turns into something awful. And um, if you think about things that can go wrong during your inner summer. So as I was saying, that's your fertile time and that's your time that you want to be social and you're getting along with everybody and, you know, you're yes woman, you're saying yes to everything and your libido, your sex drive should be, you know, up at this time. So things that can go wrong now is you can be, again, do you know what? Anger comes up a lot. Yeah. And <laughs> like it's, it's just, I suppose it's that secondary emotion that we can get angry when we feel something else. Mm -hmm. um, but anger comes up in that, I suppose, that irritability. Um, estrogen can be... I hear a book they said it's like that friend that you love but they can be a bit too much sometimes yeah. you know when you're like I can't listen to you anymore so, our so it irritates you it irritates you exactly it's like everything is 
nearly on fire. Do you know, it's like the lighthearted. You're, you're maybe tired of being social. You're tired of saying, yeah. And um, another thing with that's like common, like anger is that you're just burnt out. You're not honoring your cycle. So yeah. again, maybe you've done too much too soon and you're not like inner spring is even though your energy is on the up, you're meant to kind of hold yourself back. So like I have to consciously hold myself back in my in, inner spring because I just want to go mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm like tired of, I don't want to, you know, yeah. hold myself back. I'm yeah. like, I, I just want to go. So it's like holding the tension, letting it build because I can do that to myself. I can do so much in my inner spring. By the time comes to my inner summer, I'm like, oh my God, like <laughs> I'm like calling my period. Like I'm like, I just want to relax, you know, that way. Yeah. So um, and another thing for inner summer is if you're estrogen dominant, so we can be estrogen dominant, like it's so easy nowadays. Like I don't know, have you heard of endocrine disrupting yeah. chemicals? Yeah. <clears throat> so what they do is they attach onto the receptors on cells and they mimic estrogen. So we can have a lot of um, estrogenic activity that's, you know, um, how would you describe it? Like chemically, like it's not natural and there's um, an excess of it. So inner summer can be, if you're already estrogen dominant, maybe you use like a lot of uh, cosmetics, like we kind of all do. Maybe you burn smelly candles all the time. Um, That's so interesting. Like, yeah, like we'd never think that things like that can affect hormones like and just... I don't know, using too many wax melts. <laughs> I know. And that, yeah. Oh, God. So it, and if you think about it, right. So especially, I'm sorry, men again, but if you think about <laughs> women in the household and then women, you know, using all the cosmetics, like we could be using how many chemicals before we leave the house and, mm. um, you know, doing our makeup and doing the cleaning and, you know, all the bleach and all the sprays. And one thing that I'd, you know, I've had a few clients say to me because I actually remember studying this um unit in college and I was like oh, I can't take this on now like I can't mm-hmm. I was like it's enough like I was like the food is enough the lifestyle stuff I was like I can't think about chemicals like because as soon as you become aware of them you're like they're everywhere yeah and then it's obsessive and you can't get away from it and exactly like you know and so a lot of like I do hear that from a lot of women and I totally totally understand mm-hmm. and you will come around to a time where you're able to kind of take that on yeah, um, and just start to swap out for naturals. But yeah, it is changing. I think there's a lot of, you know, especially with deodorant and yeah. cosmetics like that. Yeah. Um, it is changing, I think. Yeah. And like, I think um, the switch to natural is not only better for the environment too, but, um, and this, I don't want to get a bit too heavy, but if you think about like, say if you look at the back of a bleach bottle or like, you know, a spray or whatever it is like, there might be like 30 different chemicals there mm-hmm. and they're all approved by the EU. They've been tested, but what they haven't actually been, they haven't all been tested together, like in that. Um, That's actually mad. You know, they've been tested individually and, individually, um, you know, maybe in a Petri dish or whatever way the study was designed. So if you think about like, say we wake up in the morning and we use you know, toothpaste and sprays and moisturizers and then we do a bit of cleaning Together, and yeah. then we're like washing with the fairy liquid and whatever and all these different chemicals. But like our skin is an organ that's absorbing all the time. So that's going into our bloodstream, into our circulation. So of course, it's 
they're all going to have an effect on our hormones. So mm. um, that's you're, that's crazy. I know. That's I know. crazy. It's not a nice thought, but I still think it's just important. And we have all these amazing natural brands yeah. and they're quite affordable now. Like I think mm. before they used to be so expensive that it used to be like, I don't have the means to afford them. But um, a lot of the, what's that cleaning brand? I think it's like an Irish one. And Yeah, Eco something. I can see the... Yeah, so can I. I can see the packaging in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they're they're quite affordable. So, or the likes of, um, I use vinegar now. Yeah, my mom, vinegar and bacon soda. Yeah, yeah. My mom's just like, oh, smell of that. But it's better than, I actually prefer the smell of like strong vinegar than I do like a, you know, whatever cleaning spray. Like mm, a disinfectant. Like. Yeah, exactly. Like, so um, if you do have symptoms around your inner summer, it could be due to, really, really high estrogen levels. Yeah. Um, and again, just going back to your fibre, really helping your liver to uh, detox them. So, you know, all the kind of liver supporting foods, again, to be simple, just colour, eating lots of fresh fruits, vegetables, colour and fibre um, will really help your liver and greens. Um, and then your inner autumn, like that's when everything can just <laughs> go tits up and I suppose why that happens is number one, what I was talking about there, like if you think about the lighter stage of your cycle, you're just all guns blazing. Mm. So by the time you come to your inner autumn and your estrogen drops, which your energy naturally drops, you're just burnt out. Yeah. You know, um, and your inner critic can get quite loud during this time. And if you have any, I suppose, underlying, you know, confidence issues or anxiety or maybe you've gone through um you know depression before this is where this can actually rear its head um like women with PMDD which is like you know PMS like mm. big bad sister um so that's there's a lot of kind of ways that you can look at at that one and the reasons for that and like estrogen increases are happy hormones so without estrogen we have lower amounts of those hormones and then progesterone because that increases um, our GABA and our, you know, our, our natural Xanax. If you have too high estrogen and not enough progesterone, it's like a double whammy. Yeah. You know, that kind of way. Um, so that's where that can go a bit. Haywire. Yeah. <laughs> literally Jeez. like, yeah. Like, so I think we've all, I think we've all felt those, yeah, those definitely. times. Definitely. You know? It's so good. Like for, and thanks so much for bringing awareness to that. Um, it's so good for us to, you know, even be aware of n not only the food to mm -hmm. eat, like, but, you know, to be aware of where those imbalances might be mm -hmm. and becoming aware, more aware of your cycle and, you know, how you can bring it back into balance. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And it's not, it's like, you know, it really is when you try it, if you try the cycle tracking for a while, and you get to know yourself like it really is the key, you know, like before maybe as I'm on day 20, I might have had to cancel something, you know, like this or, you know, I wouldn't have been doing a podcast, but I would have maybe really had a bad day because I was totally thrown. But because I have that awareness now, like everything that I did today was like reminding myself like, OK, you're not in the best yeah. today. So look after yourself, like, you know, don't allow yourself to kind of run out of steam and mm. so it really do, it's hard to explain sometimes because it's not as tangible 
as like, oh, eat or take this supplement or whatever. You know, when I explain it to people, yeah. sometimes they're like, oh, I'm just like, why does she keep saying awareness? Like, it's like, what does that mean? Like, you know, but once you know what's going on for you, you can do something to change it then. Yeah. Like, and it just makes everything so much easier. Like, that has been amazing. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm sorry, like, but now women, like, Mm. I'm sorry like we do <laughs> have a bad like when it comes to no not to like wallow in self-pity but when it comes to like hormones and stuff like that like it is mm-hmm. a challenge like so yeah men have it so easy and I'm not holding back now fuck you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thanks so much for all of that Leanne and if people mm. want to reach out to you where can they find you on Instagram or yeah the best would be probably on Instagram so just Leanne Morn underscore com the dot com is gone <laughs> and that's my website as well so just leannemorn.com but yeah just on instagram is probably the best perfect best that was brilliant thank you so thanks much thanks so much thanks for having me i hope you enjoyed that really informative chat with leanne if you did don't forget to share it on social media tagging at dying for life podcast and leanne at leannemorn underscore com and as always for some extra love don't forget to rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcasts <laughs>